I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm in the post of the sportsplex. <laughs> I'm sure you. Had, I'm sure nothing but good things to say yeah, when it right. came to me and playing hockey. <laughs> yeah, and all the and I'm all the sure. and all the night and all and the way I treated everybody so nicely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we have a running joke. I mean, a, a running joke on the podcast that Taylor uh, was a bully growing up. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and now, certainly and now the joke becomes reality because we have someone here to corroborate, corroborate yeah. the fucking. <laughs> Accusations. Um, Certainly a bully on the ice, or I tried to be. Um, well, this is gonna be this is gonna be really fun. Uh, we're sitting down yep. with Graham, and uh, I mean, Taylor, why, why don't you like? Um, I'm just meeting Graham for the first time. Yep, and uh, and I believe Brian is as well. But yep. Taylor, you and Graham go way back, way back, way back. Give us, uh, give us, a, I, give us a little like. I'm thinking. I'm trying to. Fi- I'm trying to think about when our first uh, interaction would have been. Would probably I, about five. Yeah. Would I have like oh, I would wow. have played Timbit, oh, wow. like Timbit yeah. hockey. hockey. I was coaching you. Way way back. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Hockey coach. I'm thinking. Uh, what, was, yeah. what was my? I'm thinking the first team that I can remember is the Green Hornets. There you go. I feel like it might have even been before that. I think there was one team before that. But I mean, there was like three. You know, the several different Timbit teams and stuff. Yeah, and then into for our U.S. listeners, uh, Timbit teams are it, we, they're it, like little tykes. Yeah, five-year-old beginners. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now they call them the Tim Beebs. Had quite a had quite a crew back then. Lund was out there. That's Mitch right. was out there. Yeah. My son Mitch played with Taylor. So yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. It came up with uh, with grandson Mitch. Yeah, and uh, was involved in hockey hockey circles with uh, with Graham for. Until, then we uh, loop back uh, subways. Yeah, I was the right. president of the subways, and Taylor ended up playing subway hockey. So yeah, subway hockey for uh, our U.S. listeners is basically it's exactly what you think. It's it's <laughs> it's it's hockey, but played the sticks are, are uh, foot long. Uh, Subway sub sandwiches, <laughs> and uh, it's messy as fuck, but uh, very entertaining nonetheless. So um, yeah, so I got you know back, way back in the day, you know Taylor, a little five year old fucker uh, on the ice doing whatever he did, um, and now fast forward. All these years later, and Graham, you're sitting in the seat with us here uh, because yep. uh, very recently, I take it, you've gone through some health issues. I mean, this is yeah. the Sick Boy podcast. So, like, we, it, it, unfortunately, we weren't here to talk hockey all day. Um, we are actually here to talk about, Graham, your, your experience with, uh, with rectal cancer. Is that correct? Rectal, rectal cancer. cancer. Yep. Fuck, man. Rectal cancer. If I was going to say, if I ever, like, got given the diagnosis of a cancer... I feel like rectal cancer would be one where I would be ultra bummed out. Like, I think that would be one where I would go, fuck. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like skin cancer. I don't know. I can kind of wrap my head around, like, the idea of... You could cover your skin or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, um, fuck, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, I love your ranking. Lung, your cancer, lung cancer. It's like, right I've, I've, been, I've done the lung disease thing. I'm familiar there. 
But like rectal cancer, when I hear that, I go, that has to do with my guts and my fucking, the way I poop and the way I think about sitting on a toilet. And like, I don't want to complicate that. Nope. I like the way I poop. And once your rectum's gone, you have no more feeling. It's and, totally gone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like straight, like spoiler alert, I guess, Graham, you have no rectum. Nope. It's gone. Gone. Take us back to the early stages of, um, you know, you know, where, where were you at in your life when, when all this kind of came so, to be? And, and I guess like I'm taking it, it was probably, probably a shock to you. And It was July 9th, 2021. I was diagnosed and I, uh, I had blood for a little bit before... Um, I actually found out what it was. I didn't know what was going on. Like you had blood in your um, stool kind of thing? Blood in the stool yeah, kind right. of thing. I wasn't that guy to do the shit on the stick test when they come in the mail. I always just threw them on the counter and my wife would say, do that. And I'd say, nah, I don't need to do that. Wait, uh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Is that a, is that a thing said, that happens like after, after age? you're 40? After you're 40, you'll get them in the mail every two to three years. Whoa, 40? Whoa. I, th- I thought it was yeah. 50. Oh, well, it might be well, 50, but well, I thought I'm, it was 40. Even so, like, yeah, they I mean, come in the mail really automatic. not that far away. They just come in the mail. Come in the mail automatic? Poop on a stick. Yeah, poop on a stick. Holy fuck, I didn't know this. Yeah, we were and talking with this with uh, um, um, Iris Gorfinkel about, like, uh, about yeah. like all the little ways in which we wow. could alleviate right. uh, yep. um, like family medicine. And it right. was, one well, of them was, yep. like, by doing these kits a little younger and more yep. screening in that way. Yeah, like, my son's wow. going to have to have it done earlier because now I have history. So they right. may be able to catch it if Could he did have it. Family. They would catch it right. early, and right. he wouldn't have to go through what I went through. Because you said uh, before we started recording that it's like incredibly the the, the hereditary factor. Yeah, is they said ninety three percent hereditary, which I don't know of anybody in my family that had it. But um, you know, it is what it is. You get it, and you got to deal with it. So, yeah. and Graham said it. He said he said maybe it was the smokestacks. Yeah, maybe. our our famous uh, our famous buddies. Dartmouth smokestacks. I have four buddies that were my wedding party thirty seven years ago, all with rectal cancer. One guy died fifteen years ago. Holy shit! Yeah, and all your wedding party same. wasn't like a hundred people. No, it was four hundred and thirty people. And they got yeah, married at the wedding. Yeah. There, was, <laughs> yeah, there was five of us: my uncle yeah. and four of my buddies. Okay. And uh, the four buddies all got rectal cancer. And they got married inside the smokestack. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It's almost worth a study, I think. Brian was looking at me like, holy shit. How did they do that? The study. They really did? So wow, how did they do that? So, so after, I, so after I, the blood. I, I don't want, I don't want to like get, get caught up on this for, for too long. But, but I, am, I am just kind of curious because I, even though you said we did talk about this with Iris, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, let's say I turn 40 and I start getting those things in the mail. What, what is, so is it, what is it? What, what, do you, so what do you actually have to do? When, like, you, do? when you shit on the stick, you put it in a little, it's a, a vial with some fluid in it. The stick goes in there, you seal it, you put it back in the mail. It goes back to their treatment center where they check it. And when they check it, if there's any signs of blood, they call you right away oh. to go right in for a colonostomy. Okay. And I got okay. a good story about that because I never did them. But after I was out of the hospital... One came in the mail. Guess huh. what? I did it. Nice. They called me four days later. You got to go in. You got blood in your stool. Like after you had your operation? After I had my operation oh my and everything. So then my surgeon said, don't ever take those again. You're always going to have blood in your stool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just had blood. So, uh, so what was your thought? And because I feel like this is a, I feel like getting those in the mail and not doing them is extremely common. And so I'm wondering what. Like, do, do you think Don's doing them? Well, he's certainly getting them. Is he, so, is he doing them? Maybe not. I he fucking would, better. I would definitely. Sh- but what I see, like I've helped a lot of people. I, I've very strong feelings now about doing them. Uh, so since all of this, I've been reaching out. 
I, uh, I started a website on, uh, or not a website, on my Facebook page. I started a health tracker when I was sick. There were over a thousand people a week following my sickness to see how I was doing. And I, listen, boys, I didn't hide nothing. Yeah. I have no problem showing my stoma. I have no problem showing the bag. It's all attitude. Like, if I didn't have the attitude that I was beating yeah. this, I wouldn't have beat it. Mm-hmm. So I have people reaching out to me for help mm-hmm. because they got blood. And I know they have blood because the first question they ask me is, what, what were your symptoms? What did you go through first? Mm. I had some blood. Ugh. How much blood did you have? You know, and then I know that they're bleeding, so then I encourage them to get the test done, get to a doctor, get a colonoscopy done, and I have nine people so far right. that actually had blood in their stool and had to go through right. the process. And now let, let's talk when, about the blood in the stool because because well, I, I do want to I, ju- I do want to just say that there's I know that there's um, like when when it, when it comes to blood and and your shit. There's there's a difference between seeing like streaks of red and then seeing like you know black stool. Yeah, and no. the difference being like black stool is like in like inside up, up inside internal red. bleeding. Okay, so this we're talking about red. like red, red. Like same kind of red fluidy. Sure, got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. What did you think when you, you know you said that you had been seeing some blood but you didn't really do thought I had a hemorrhoid. That's what I would have. Thought. So I thought I had a bleeding hemorrhoid. I actually went yeah. to the doctor, and he thought I had a bleeding hemorrhoid at one point too. Mm-hmm. Gave me some cream. I put it on. It went away. And mum's your uncle. Oh, I, I've had I've had blood in my stool like when I don't know probably four or five years ago. Like, and I just assumed that it was a hemorrhoid or yeah. somewhere. I know why you why, did. So, I can tell you why. What, tell me because you sit on the toilet for forty five fucking minutes. That's, That's why right. your butt's too <laughs> relaxed. But but I, I am really curious about the the poop on the stick test because like logistically for me that's something that would if i got that in the mail i would be like oh it's 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 going to be too hard to do and i don't want to get poop on my hands and stuff so i'm i'm genuinely curious like how do you they show you how to do it uh, is it hard the little kit no and do you poop in the toilet and then sample it or you can get a little paper plate or a piece of ceramic wrap on a paper plate Ooh, Shit on that, wrap. scoop it off, put it in the thing. It's like bump. R2 could, dude. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> I mean, it can't, it, realistically, like it can't, when you think, if you really <coughs> step back and think about it, it can't be hard. Because if it's hard, then no one would do it. Like I tell you what, boys, people. I would do one every day. I'd have a colonostomy every week for the rest of my life if I didn't have to go through what I went through. Yeah. Wow, yeah. there you go. No there problem. You. That's, yeah, yeah. There you go. Like, it's the yeah. other side. If you don't do it. Yeah. What you're gonna face is a lot more yeah. difficult than doing that kind of stuff. Okay, so so, so you, you get you're getting these kits and you're going, yep. fuck this. I'm not yeah, gonna throw on the counter. Your wife's telling you to do it, and you go, nah. Yeah. And then you start having like feeling pressure, you start seeing blood, and you decide, okay, I might maybe maybe should say something to a doctor. And they say the morning hemorrhoid. of July 9th, I woke up with a downward pressure in my ass. So it felt like everything inside of me was coming out of my backside. And it and I couldn't. It it wasn't, Weird. but it felt like it was pushing, pushing. So I got up and I tried to use a washroom and I couldn't. So I had a shower and got dressed for work. I got in my truck and when I was in my truck, I couldn't sit in the chair. Like it so hurt. It pained so bad you wouldn't believe. In your like asshole, I would, like yeah, it. I wouldn't be able to sit here. The wow. tumor was a half inch inside my ass. Oh So wow. that pressure when you sit down. Oh wow. Was pressurizing on that. So that's what I was feeling when I was laying on my back in bed. Was the pressure. Of that, and I told my wife, "There's something wrong. Like something's up." So I got to work by driving, holding onto the steering wheel, so that my ass didn't touch the seat of the truck. Oh my god! Oh, great. I pulled in the parking lot, and I jumped out. And when I'm walking, I was fine as kind. Nothing wrong. Right. I go in my office. This is quarter after eight in the morning. I go in the office. I open up my laptop, sit in the chair, 
right back up out of the chair. I couldn't sit there. Fuck. And I was all by myself, and I could remember saying, self, you're in trouble. Yeah. You need to get some help today. And that's when I called my doctor, COVID, full-time COVID then. Right. Okay. Nobody going into doctor's offices. Yeah. Right. This is like so first the girls, winter of COVID. Right. The girls answer the phone, and I say, listen, I got to see my doctor. And they said, uh, Graham, you know it's COVID. Like, she's not taking patients in. She's doing phone calls. I said, listen, like, you got to get me in. You know I wouldn't be calling if something wasn't wrong. Yeah. So I told her what was wrong. She goes, just a minute. I'll see if I can get her. So she went out back. Next thing, my doctor's on the phone. She said, can you be here in 10 minutes? I said, yep. She goes, come see me. And she gave me a break. I went in, and I think she saved my life. Between her and the surgeon, uh, they both checked me out right there on her table, and uh, then it was off to the hospital. And got, so got it, was, it, was, and it was pretty evident. Um, like, when they checked you... They felt the tumor. Because you said the tumor was... A, half inch. Holy shit. So it was, like, right... It looked like a Tootsie Roll. When you seen it on the MRI, it looked like a Tootsie Roll in the side of my rectum. Right. And that's where it, it was... It was the origin point of the tumor was yeah. that, I mean, so it's not far. Like to that, help you understand it better. shallow, I guess. When you do that shit on a stick, you could have polyps in there. So when they do a colonostomy, it shows polyps. And when you see it, when you're laying there on the table and he's doing it, there's little, like it's going up through this tunnel, and there's little, almost like hairs hanging off the side of the yeah. inside of your colon. Yeah. And that is a polyp. Those polyps form into tumors if you don't get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's so slick, there's a wire inside of the tube that they put up through you, and they lasso it, like they give it some slack. They put those pieces inside of it, and they pull it back, and it slices them right off. Yummy. People get hundreds of polyps removed. Yeah, right. Like, and that stops them from forming into a tumor. Huh. So if you have blood, you might have polyps. If you go in and get checked, your polyps might be able to cut off before you get... And That's so crazy. Is that, is I've that never what they heard thought that with before. you? They thought like, oh, it, this was a this was kind of a case of like not tending to the polyps and the polyps, you know, because I never had it checked. Right. If I would have had it checked, it might have been a polyp. They could have cut it off, oh, and I wouldn't have had to go through that. all That's this. How old are you now? I'm sixty-two. Sixty-two. So, and colonoscopies are kind of uh, what's the date? What's the age? Very hard to rec- get in to get them done to start with. Like they're busy as hell. But uh, when you got problems, they don't mind getting you in pretty quick. So. Right. Holy mm-hmm. shit, guys. But is it like, is it, what's the, you know, perfect world, the recommendation is 40, 45? Start yeah, getting... probably 40, 45. Yep. Mm-hmm. Colorectal polyps are commonly found during the standard screening exams of the colon, large intestine, and rectum, bottom section of your colon. They affect about 20 to 30% of American adults. Mm. Here you go. That's a lot of people. Jared, didn't, people? You, didn't you have... Po- polyps, polyps nasal polyps, yeah. And, but it's like that. What they go in and remove them? Yeah, they went in and removed them. A little bit of a different process, and uh, they go up. They go up through the rectum, they, but they but <laughs> they go through my piss hole up to my nose. <laughs> and uh, no, they but they they scrape them out. And but is the reason because like they can turn into something? No, I don't think so. The reason is because <coughs> you have you. It is it. Can't you can't breathe. function. Yeah, like you can't yeah. breathe. You can't. You have like constant fucking. Sinus migraines, like it is a so same kind of thing, just the other end of your just body in your right. bubble. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man, wild. So, so okay, so you go in, you have this this appointment. Your doctor, you know, COVID aside, they check you out, and immediately they're like, "There's something there. We can feel it." Mm-hmm. How fast between that moment to uh, to like a direct action plan and and, well, and to you know eventual surgery? I'm very fortunate that my surgeon is a good friend. A fellow golfer at Brightwood, and uh, he helped me out a bit and uh, got me in right away. Like I had an MRI done within a couple weeks, 
okay. uh, just so they could find out what exactly was going on because you can't get any oncology done at all without an MRI. So I was set up to go to oncology, but I couldn't go until somebody took a picture of it to say, here's what it is, there's the size of it, there's where it's at, how are we going to attack it, and away we go. So we did that, and I got called into the cancer center, which I didn't even know we had a cancer center at the time. So I walk into that place, and I was met by a team. So they have oncologists, they have doctors, they have nurses, they have radiation techs, they have chemo techs, everybody's on my team. And it was all about me. Mm. So I'm sitting there thinking, mm. you know, at least I got people around me. Like this is, it feels good that mm. they're doing something. Like something's happening. Because when they tell you that you have stage three cancer and that, you know, it's possibility that you could only live six months of something, you know, with no treatment or, you know, if something went away and it spread quickly, like you don't have a whole lot of time. So you start thinking, days are ticking here. When am I, mm. when am I starting radiation? Like when is it, when's it going to happen? And remember, all this time, I still have a tumor in my ass. I can't sit down. Right, so when I'm talking yeah. to them, I'm standing up. I can't sit in a chair. I'm thinking about the MRI. I mean, I've been, have you, yeah. have you had an MRI done before that? Yeah. So, like, you know, you got to be still. Yeah. I and had to lay there. You're lying took, there going, oh, I my took God. so many of those Ativan things. My doctor geared me up and said, here, like, I know you're panicking. Just take those. And you'll be fine. You got to be and still. And the girl woke me up. So the girl the woke me up and said, you're done now. I said, perfect. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, so I made it through that. And then when I, um, when I started on the radiation, um, I was fortunate as well to have a great radiation team, and mm. they set it up for five straight days of radiation. So they mark your midsection with ink in, an, in a uh, CAT scan machine. So they line that up for the radiation so that they can zap you. Mm. And I can show you guys after. I got a picture of the radiation machine on my phone, mm. which you're not mm. supposed to have, but I, I took it <laughs> when I was in there. And um, anyway, they line you up. And they did five straight days, and after two days, and I mean, it burns up your ass. I won't, not gonna lie, but they give you gel and stuff to put on. I was having. How, how are they doing it? It's like, are they shooting through your belly? Or no, like, what's, they're you're they're laying shooting, you're laying on your back, straight out on a table. That's carbon fiber. Yeah, that's a scissor lift table, and it goes up six to eight feet, and the machine goes around you. So Whoa. it's it's spinning around, and it shoots up through the table, and hits your spot where they want you to Whoa, hit. Oh, crazy. Man, yeah. So there's a, we actually did a, Graham, wow. we did a, uh, for another, for a podcast that we're producing, we actually talked to somebody who's, who's, um, he's the, he's the head of medical physics for um, Nova Scotia Health. Oh, yeah. And, um, and he's, he, he designs treatment plans for people for their radiation. Yeah. And he told us, I mean, he's, he's, you know, basically a NASA scientist. He like <coughs> told us all about, like how the hell they deliver radiation, like how the machinery works and everything and the yep. bolus and how they strap you down and keep you still so and all you that stuff. So you know about it, then it's... And I mean, the whole the thing though. is like, it's like... It's like something out of like Minority Report. It's totally... Yeah. Here I am going into this room thinking, oh my God, what's going on in here? It's like a, yeah. it's a block wall. It looks like mm. a bunker for a war. Yeah, right. Because they can't go in there with you and stuff. Were yeah. you scared? Like I you... was, because I'm laying there for 14 minutes. You can't move. Mm-hmm. Had to drink a 500 ml of water 15 minutes before so that your bladder would Fills fill up, up yeah. so that when they're burning you, it doesn't burn your bladder. Holy oh. shit. Like, you got to, holy fuck, you got to have, like, you got you you to put full... the fire out <laughs> right before the fire starts. Yeah. Holy you shit. got to have that in there before it starts. Wow. So uh, I got to tell you, though, after two treatments, so I went five straight days. After the second day, I could sit down. Wow. wow. It was that effective. Like that it, effective. I could sit that's down. That's wild. Okay. okay. So, yeah. okay. 
So man, that that was the thing I was kind of curious about. Was like like you know when you have when you have a when you have stage three rectal cancer, the tumor's right, right almost there. almost poking out of your ass. It's yep. like turtle turtle uh, turtle heading or whatever. What, prairie what you, dogging. Prairie dogging. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you know it. What is the what is the the attack plan? So they do radiation, but so they're is that not it. enough? Like did they go? They no, go. They want to shrink it. So they're going to so, go. We're going to do radiation. Then we're going to do surgery. Like so they talked to me to tell me that because I kept asking, "Am I going to live?" All I wanted to know is, "Am I going to make it?" So you have to go in sections. And when you think about the sections here, they seen it, so they shrunk it, which is easier to deal with when it's small instead of bigger. Then they seen the cancer around it. They treated the cancer with my chemo, and we'll talk about that, 24 weeks of chemo. And then after that was finished, I had to wait eight weeks, and then they went in and cut everything out, including my ass, everything, sewed me up from the backside, brought it all up through the front side, sent it to the lab. I got a lab report back 10 days later that said, you're good. Then they sent me for a cancer pep test, and I never had a cancer cell in my body. Wow. Yeah, good story. Like, it's a good ending. But to get there... I was saying I went from, I was 243 pounds the day I got sick. I weighed 170 pounds when I got operated on. Wow. Um, doing my chemo, so I had to, after the radiation was done, and uh, again, your ass was hot. You had to do sit spas, that kind of stuff. And I remember one night I get off the sit spas, and I jumped in the shower. When I was drying myself off, I said, oh, my God, my ass is hot. It's burning. So I put a pair of underwear on and go upstairs, and my mother, 87 years old, and my wife are sitting there. I said, you guys got to touch my ass. They said, no, what do you want us to touch your ass? You have to touch my ass. So they so both touched right my ass, and they could not believe how hot my ass like was. It was radiating. Radiating. Yeah, wow. Literally radiating. Radiating. But it did its job, <laughs> right? Yeah. It did its job from the outside in. It did its job. Yeah. Wow. So then I started my chemo, and uh, she told me that I was going to have to go for 24 weeks, so you go on a cycle. It's a two-week cycle. So I had to have tr- 12 treatments over 24 weeks. So on Monday, I'd get blood work done. On Tuesday, I would meet with the, or they would call me, the nurse would call me and do a questionnaire and then tell me that my blood was good. I'm in Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock. Be there. You're getting your treatment. So they put a port in my chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've probably seen those before, yeah, but yeah. they got the hole there. And uh, so they'd hook the needle in, and I'd sit there for four hours, get dripped on, and then after the four hours, they take that off. They put a bag around my neck with a bottle, and I had 48 more hours of pure chemo. So <sighs> that was for Thursday and Friday. Oh, that you could, that you could go home with. I go home with. Jesus. I go back on Friday. They take the needle out. I'm sick Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and part of Wednesday. And then Like I just all day? Just all like, day. like you're just weak. You're fighting the fight the whole time. Yeah. You're fighting a fight. In 24 weeks, I had two nights that I went to my wife and I gave her a hug and a kiss and said, "Hun, I don't think I'm going to be here in the morning. Holy like, fuck. Mentally, God. how do you do that? Yeah. Mentally, how do you not be able to brush your teeth for 24 weeks? I couldn't brush my teeth for 24 weeks. I couldn't drink a cold bottle of water or a cold can of pop or nothing cold. Couldn't go outside in the cold. And like, it's the middle of winter. Do you mean you couldn't fit, you couldn't or you your weren't air, allowed? Like no, you just, your air would cut off. The chemo I was on was all cold driven. And if you got any cold, like if I touch my door handle, my hand would fall off. It felt like my hand would f- have fallen off. It took 22 minutes for my hand to come back into form that I could move my Whoa. fingers. What? Yeah. What? So that's how the chemo was having an effect on my body. Wow. So it so, kills so all your white blood te- cells. You couldn't brush your teeth for, for why? Because for, of your nerve endings yeah. and your gums. Yeah. Once you hit those, they pop. 
and it would bleed. So, you oh know, Graham, God, Graham goes to a drugstore, gets a little children's toothbrush trying to cheat to brush my teeth. Next thing, I got my mouth all bleeding. Oh, my oh, God. Dude. Holy sh- Man, Isn't it crazy that, that is so we've talked wild. about chemo yeah. so much, and it's like the yeah. stories and how it, it just how continuously it, how I still have neuropathy in my feet. Yeah. I still have neuropathy in the, in the tips of my fingers. And my last chemo treatment was uh, February 2nd of 22. Whoa. was my last treatment, and I still have it. Wow. And then I'm fighting it every day. Wow. But it's supposed to go away over time. Yeah. And hopefully it will. But So back to the chemo story. So I go in for my first treatment, and I'm, I get, you guys will love this story. So this guy's sitting there next to me, and he goes, you're not allowed to talk about what you got. Like, they don't want you saying, you know, well, I got rectal war. cancer, you know, you got lung cancer, you got ovarian cancer, whatever. Why the fuck are you allowed to say what you got? They yeah. don't want you in there talking about it. They want you in there for your treatment and get you out. And it just... Gosh, that sounds yeah. counterproductive to me. It's, it's better. <laughs> anyway, this old guy says to me, he says, uh, you sick? I go, no, nah. <laughs> I'm not sick. And, and Taylor knows I'm like, and I'm straight-faced, and I'm going, no, I'm not sick. He goes, yeah, you don't look like you're sick. I said, well, I can't lose my hair. I said, uh, I said, no, I'm not sick at all. I said, well, why are you hooked up to the chemo? I said, you didn't hear? He goes, no. I said, there's a new chemo just out, and they wanted a test dummy to test it on, and they're paying me to get the shit done. And he goes, no way. And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, my God. He said, I wish I could get paid for my chemo. And I said, well, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't get paid. And I kept a straight face. And the nurses were there, and they were loving it. So when they come over, I said, should I tell them the difference? And she goes, not a chance. Like, play this one along. He's going home and going, they're paying motherfuckers. Yeah. So the next week, the next Wednesday, my Wednesday came around to go back in. I go in, and I could hear them. There's that guy's getting paid. There's that guy coming. There's getting paid. And I did that He's for 24 sick. weeks. No. I kept that going and never told the difference. That's hilarious. Oh, so nice. if they're listening on there, I'm really sorry. And, uh, there's nothing like a long. There's nothing like a long con joke. I love that the nurses yeah. were like, Fuck "Oh, they man, were loving thank it." God, they were loving it. That's uh, man. That's it. I mean, you know, it, we we've kind of talked about this on the show in the past, and, but it's I always kind of forget. Um, it's easy to forget. I think. <laughs> That when someone like yourself is going through something like this, um, it the part that I mean, I'm hearing you say all these things, and it's fucking so insane. But the thing that stuck out to me was like, God damn, 24 weeks is a long period of time, long haul, and that is a long period of time where, like, I I take it that's kind of your full time job at that point. It's like you're like you are now just no, I I don't work. I'm fucking trying to just survive. I'm trying to live. And there's no, like, you know, I'm currently going through some, like, very minor health stuff, like skin stuff that we just can't get to the bottom of. And so I got to go, you know, I got to go to, like, light therapy and I got to go see the dermatologist and I got to fucking go to the pharmacy to pick up this thing and that thing. And to me, I'm going, God damn it. I Like, there's not enough time in the day. I got to get to work. I got to get things done. And this is, like, getting in the way of my world. And But then it's like, you hear this and you go, fuck me. I'm What am I complaining about? Like, this is... Full-time it's, job. It's all-encompassing. Yeah. It's your entire existence. That's all you're thinking of. But you got to keep that positive attitude. Yeah. And I had a friend tell me, like, drink 10 bottles of water on the day of treatment, and I'm telling you, it works. I was drinking 10 500-mill bottles of water every day of treatment. Wow. It just helps flush it through. Yeah. You don't get as sick. Interesting. So, okay. uh, yeah, you learn tricks all the way along, yeah. but it's... Uh, Did you always... Were you always, like, you know... 
this kind of attitude? Like, have you always been that kind of guy? Like, what? I was the kind of guy that I wanted to know if I was if I wasn't going to make it. And even though I was thinking in my mind I am going to make it, and the doctors were telling me they thought I was going to make it, I still met with my funeral director. I had all that set up for Nancy. I had um, I met with my financial planner, and I had her all set up with that. I had bought her a new car from my bed at Christmas time. From I worked for the Steel Auto Group and. Uh, you know, one of the one of the stores that I worked with, I knew they'd look after her. Something happened to me, so I bought a car there, make sure she'd be looked after. I had everything done. If I would have passed, she would have made one, one phone call and it would have been all handled. Mm. But that was just me. And I had to do that to make sure that I had my family looked after first. So, mm. what, was your, um, what was your sort of experience with the way that something that, that, we've, uh, that we have talked about a lot in the past with people who especially people who get a sudden diagnosis of something that they're dealing with is how they almost become the managers of a lot of other people's feelings and how, mm-hmm. how your experience is affecting the people around you, your wife, your kids, family, mm-hmm. friends, et cetera. What was that like? Well, you're really, when you're laying there and you don't have a whole lot of zip and you're fighting the fight and friends are reaching out either on Facebook or you're getting phone calls. I couldn't have anybody in the house. Think about that again. When I go back to the mental stuff, um, couldn't have anybody in the house because of COVID. Right. They were more worried about me catching COVID than they were <laughs> about my cancer. Of course. Because yeah. my system was just so screwed up. Yeah, yeah. I had one week that my white blood cells never came back. So I had to go to the Dartmouth General in a tent. And then they sent me out through the back door and gone home and laid in the basement with nobody around me for five days to let my uh. blood cells re populate so that I could go and they gave me chemo the next day mm. after they repopulate. Just on top of like everything yeah, else. But your friends and your people around you, they give you that push. Mm. They give you that little extra oomph. What, what is it and like though being like being, you know, in your basement for five days like that and, you know, trying to maintain that like fighting attitude, but also, you know, I, I imagine that that's really hard. Medley, medley draining. Like, I had to see a shrink afterwards, and they told me it was like having PTSD, and you have to really deal with it. I had to change my whole outlook. I had to start stopping, and can you do that? No, you can't do that. Yeah, you can do that. I got through that. Uh, people that I was getting treatment with were passing away, and so now I was mm. afraid. If you're sitting next to me, I'm going, geez, am I going to talk to him? No, nah, not this week, because the lady that was there last week, she didn't make it. Yeah, So right. I'm not going to do that. And you add on all that other stuff about what you can eat and drink and and not be able to go outside in the cold and not to be able to brush your teeth. And me- all of a sudden, mentally, it's a battle. And mm. I'll never forget waking up in the hospital room the day after my operation. I was by myself looking up at the ceiling and I started crying. Mm. And I said, what are you crying for? Like, I'm talking to myself. I'm going, what are you crying for? I don't have to fight anymore. The fight's over. Mm. It's gone. Whatever was in my body, mm. it's now gone. So I don't have to fight. I don't have to wake up tomorrow morning and fight it because mm. I fought it for all that time. Mm. And, then, and it's not an easy fight. Like it's, <laughs> there was a couple nights, it's bigger than me, I can tell you that. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden I'd fall asleep and wake up in the morning and I'd see a little bit of light coming through the window and go, yeah. I made it. Another day. Yeah. I'm going to give her. Yeah. Did, did you, did it, did, did that experience like change the way that you thought about you know your your life in terms of like work and things that yep, were important totally. to you? 
So I'm, uh, I went back to work in February of this year, and they put me back on a back-to-work program. I was working half days, and then I tried full days. I couldn't do full days. I was just too tired. I'm still doing half days. Yeah, and keep I'm gonna, doing the half days, dude. I'm c- continuing to do sick. half days, that's and great. I've already yeah. notified them that if I can't do half days, I'm, that'll be it for me because uh, life's too short. Mm. It's too important. And uh, as I said earlier, the night before my operation, my son and daughter-in-law come into the house to let us know that they were, they were having a baby, they were pregnant, mm. and that's the first one, and he's their only kid. And so that sort of gave me, you know, the, I was thinking they told you 70, 30 chance, you know, of survival in this thing. Uh, you know, what's the 30 for? And the 30's for because it's a low operation, so you could bleed out. And they had two blood transfusions ready to go. Luckily, they never had to use one. Mm. But I woke up fighting because I wanted to be there for that. Like mm, I, mm-hmm. It gave me that little extra oomph to get down to the hospital in the morning. I didn't want to go at 6 o'clock in the morning because mm. I knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a battle for me to go to the hospital. Yeah. But with that all going down, that gave me that little extra, and it really pushed me over the mm. edge to, to help me fight the fight. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Let's talk about the let's talk about the surgery because um, mm-hmm. so so you had a full rectal removal. Yep. Uh, of of uh, what would you call that? A, a hemicolectomy is a is a is a partial. What's the? <coughs> it's a colorectal. Colorectal. Colorectal removal. Removal. Okay. So you had um, uh, you have this surgery, mm-hmm. and without a rectum, you're not pooping out of your butthole no more. Don't have a butthole. Don't even have a butthole. Sewed they that right up. up. Yeah, okay. Cut it out. Cut out what used to be there. Yeah, okay. And sewed up the skin. So what kind of... Let's talk about like... Perfect ass. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk it's about... It's like a Ken, like yeah, a Ken doll. <laughs> I used to ask all the nurses if they were qualified to work on a perfect ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, like a Ken doll. And yeah. I want a double bag or Speedo too. You know, two bags. Don't matter about the back. I just want two bags or Speedo. <laughs> so I mean that like, you know, to no longer have an asshole is a... Uh, that's a that's a transition for sure. Yeah. Um, what is the what are the conversations like before the surgery to kind of pre- to get you prepped and primed for what you're for what to expect after? My surgeons are like unbelievable guy, and he was right up front with me the whole way, right from the very start. And he told me what what he thought was going to have to happen. He said, "Listen, if there's any way we can get enough treatment that this doesn't have to happen, then we'll do that." But he said, "I'm really thinking this is what's going to happen," and he told me. He goes, you know, you're going to have to have your rectum removed, and that means cutting out your ass and sewing it up, and they'll cut you down the front. He said, I'll cut you straight down the front, remove everything out through the front, rework your colon. And this was a lot of people that that have ostomies with colons would appreciate this. With a colon, I can eat the same meal as you guys, Mm. right? Because I can still digest. So I can't eat popcorn. I can't eat peanuts. I can't eat corn on the cob. I can eat everything else. Mm. So if it was my intestine that went there, then I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. But now right. I could eat a normal meal like you guys. Yeah. I just can't 
Yeah. Shit it out like normal. I, so right. So so the, I was I was confusing rectum with colon. Your colon yeah. is your large intestine that hooks onto your rectum. that hooks onto your rectum. And, the, and then yeah, right. And so the they cut a piece of that out. So they cut a piece of that out with the rectum. They took out a piece of the of the yeah, large like five intestine or six, with colon. Five yeah, or right. six inches Got back, it. and then they reworked that back up through and out through my side. Okay, so that's so down. They, they that's take down the, at your butt. Your right? butthole now is in your belly. Is your belly right here? Yeah, right. Yep. It's right. like the same thing that my mom has, except hers is her bladder. Yes, so yes. she pees yes. out of there. So her stomach. I don't yeah. know. There's anything there unless I do this. Yeah, yeah. If you I don't, don't feel do this, it. I can't tell you. Yeah, right. like you mean your. So your, I could be your talking. Bag, to you. you mean? Yeah, like I could be talking to you right now, having a shit, and don't even know it. Right, like right. You don't know it. Right, right. Oh, right. You're not feeling it. Right. No, you lost all of that. There's no more feeling of any. That's that's super cool. I, I'm kind of curious <laughs> if we it, like. Let's say we during the podcast we were like you know we we got some like burgers and fries come in here and we were like snacking as we were as yeah. we were going. How long does it take for like a burger to go th- from your mouth into your bag? Uh, Do you know, probably be half a day or more. Yeah, that Fuck, that's sense. it. All right, yeah. yeah. yeah it's like I mean, digesting. that's digest. I mean, regular yeah. digestion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I tell I you what. I thought about how long I it takes for me to digest. I tell you what does happen anything. that you would find funny. If we had some beers here right now, or if we had cans of pop here right now, and we flipped the top, and you know when you flip the top open and it goes, yeah. If I drink that, within three minutes, we'd be sitting here and this would be going like this. No way. Because no. the bag blows up with air. Oh, no that, way. That carbonation has nowhere to go. <laughs> is that but bad? Is, is that like a don't fucking do that? Or well, it's like, well, it's just... it out because you got no hole. Right. right. So the gas doesn't go through you. It, it just has to come fills out up the bag. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. so then what do you do? You got, I, I unzip you gotta... it. I unzip it, which I'm going to show you here in a bit. I unzip it, undo the bag, give it a little push, and all the air comes out, and fold it back up. Wait, 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 wait. Does it smell like a fart, though? Oh, does it ever. Worse. Worse. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's like just straight... Fucking yeah. digest. Yeah, it probably loses a little bit. Of, it probably loses a little There's bit no of strength filter. once it goes. Once it goes. Once it's coming out the yeah. your ass. Filtered in your yeah, But yeah, once yeah, it's, yeah. Coming, no it's coming out right from the belly of the beast. Yeah, all those polyps are filtering it yeah. out. You know, I can assure you, there's no filter. <laughs> oh, it's gross. Wow. Oh, so do you? That's so really do you? Cool. Uh, or were you a beer drinker prior to? Prior yeah, you like beer. I'm and a rum guy. Do you still? Do you still kind of like? Yeah, I have a few. Again, if I'm drinking a beer, I have the port in the cup. And let it let that, that let that good, sizzle yeah. come yeah. off the top of it, yeah. and then I can drink it and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I open something up, yeah. a bottle or a can, and it sips, and then yeah. I drink it, doesn't matter if it's a sip or a gulp. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, gonna, you know, the proper way to pour a beer. A lot of people don't know this, but the proper way to pour a beer <coughs> is to uh, aggressively pour the beer so that there is a massive fat head, and you got to wait and wait and wait, and then pour the rest of it because the beers aren't meant to be drank. With from the can, nope. they're not meant to be drank at full carbonation. You're supposed to, you're supposed to like nullify that carbonation by agitating the beer in the <laughs> pour, um, because that's the thing that bloats you up. So yep. it's like, you know, it's, you're, you're just now and you're just beer, you now you just drink a beer the way beer is supposed to be drank. You know, <laughs> it's a lost art. It is, but it really, it truly is. People don't realize that, but after you get one, now it starts happening. So then I'm starting to talk to the other guys from the Ostomy Society. Mm. Oh yeah, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and you know, you got a stealth belt, a stealth belt. What in the hell is a stealth yeah, belt? Right. Well, take you us through, take us through. I mean, I mean, before we get into like the because you, you brought a bunch of uh, yeah. show and tell here, which is great. Um, yeah. But before you, we get into that, I am curious not not so much about the conversation you had with your surgeon. So I had a hemicolectomy. I had seventy five percent of my my uh, colon removed, mm-hmm. um, and I remember before I went under, 
I had this woman come into my 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 hotel room. <laughs> uh, I have this woman come into my hospital room, which was very uh, very far from a hotel room, and uh, and she basically was like, "Hey, look, I'm I'm going to sit down and talk to you about what living with an ostomy looks like." And and she ran me through the whole procedure, and mm-hmm. um, luckily I came out of the surgery, and they're like, "Hey, we didn't need to, didn't we didn't need to, need to do it." Yeah. Uh, so. Did you have that kind of like interaction with someone who went, look, here's, here's what it's going to look like. Here's how it. you're going to do it. Like, how so, do they train you? to? So to- what happens there is um, there is an ostomy clinic at the Dixon Center that you can get help from the nurses and stuff. But prior to this, like I know a lot of people in the city. And uh, one of my friends is a retired policeman. And he's had one for 14 years. And he heard that I had the same disease that he had operated on 14 years ago. So he gave me a call, and he asked me if he could drop by the house. And I said, sure. So during COVID, I let him come. He comes to the house, brings a bag. We had a great discussion for a couple hours, Mm -hmm. him and my wife and I. And he put me so at ease, and I felt so comfortable that when I woke up after the operation and I looked down, I'm okay with that. That's mm. awesome. Because I don't live without that. And so, like, how did he do that? What did he? What was the? Well, he just showed he me how the bag, how the seals went on, and how the bags went. How often you change it? You know how you dump it, how you wipe it off, how you keep it clean, um, all that kind of stuff. You can't wash it with soap and water. You have to wash it just with warm water because the soap will break down your skin, mm. and you can't have broken down skin under the ostomy. So it's mm. uh, there's little tricks that you get, mm-hmm. and everybody does it different. But now I'm able to help others. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually took a certification program with Ostomy, and I got one more section left to do, and then I'm going to be going to the hospital to visit people that are getting them cool. Or, cool. or have just got them. Very so I, cool. I want to give back a bit, and I'm helping. Like I said, I had nine people so far that mm. had got treatment and uh, love helping them if I can. And uh, my best buddy that was in my wedding, he's home right now recovering. Mm. He's, uh, oh, wow. yeah, he's in his <laughs> third week. It, it, it makes me think, like, I know when my mom had her, her uh, woke up with her stoma, like, the first, um, and I was telling you before we started recording that she had three options for types yep. of surgery. Yep. And um, when she first, the first few months was, were really bad for her because she, like, felt like, w- questioned whether she made the right decision in, the, in mm. terms of the surgery yeah, option that she chose. Done. And it was hard for her to catheter and and... But she didn't have somebody like walk her through yeah. how to uh, use it, and and I think about how how, how that would much have of a difference that would have made made to like see somebody who's like yeah I, I think like now that I have it and now that it's like I said to Taylor when I walked in if I didn't tell you I had one you probably wouldn't know no idea right because yeah. I'm wearing a stealth belt and it just and you know what I don't care if you know mm-hmm. yeah. and that's the difference between me and a lot of people that have them is that I don't care I can't live without it it's part of me. Mm-hmm. Do I go out in my backyard without a shirt on? I sure do. And yeah. you know what? So be it. Mm. And I'm not going to stop doing that. That's me. If I want to do it, I'm going to go do it. And if I can help somebody get over a hump from getting an ostomy, I'm going to help them get over the hump. Because yeah. it's not... Like option B, boys, it's not good. Yeah. Right? Mm. If I don't have an ostomy, I'm not here talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. over. So if my doctor would have said, hey, you got a choice. <clears throat> we'll take your rectal out, and we won't give you anything and see you later, you're done. Or we're taking your rectum out and we'll put a bag on. You'll have an ostomy for the rest of your life. Do you want one? Pick me. <laughs> Sign me up, right? Graham, I, um, you know, I, I, when, you were going, when you were going through this, um, I, remember, I remember people passing on some of the Facebook posts and stuff. And 
you know, most like most likely my 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 mom I think going you know Graham's mm-hmm. Graham's going through treatment right now and, and it has seemed to me and this is sort of just like my this is just my sort of perception in speaking to a lot of people doing this show and then also just like perceiving the the kind of public at large you know you, you're you're of an age where a person your age maybe 10 years ago or and certainly before that is probably much more likely to not be a person that's really vocal about what they've gone through, um, the struggles of it, the, the struggles and the triumphs, and, and probably less likely to then become somebody who goes out and starts talking to people and giving yeah. back and helping other people that are going through that thing. True. But I've noticed, especially in doing this show, that there seems to be a bit of a, of a boom of people that of you know, your age, my, my dad's age, that, and particularly men, who mm-hmm. are really starting mm-hmm. to own their illnesses yep. Step and up. to be vocal and to, to provide that, that help and that resource and that voice. Um, how, 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 does that land, how does that land with you? Like I tell you, I would do anything for anybody right now not to have to have them go through what I went through. Mm. Anything. Like if it meant, if you even had one question, and that's why people call me. I'm getting friends of friends. A guy called me the other night and said, listen, I know a buddy of yours, and I just got diagnosed with rectal cancer. And he said, you know what? My buddy just made it. You should give him a call. And, and I'm talking to him on the phone. Mm-hmm. I called another guy that his wife, his uh, daughter was a nurse, and she didn't know what to, to do for him. He was, he was quitting. He was giving up on the chemo. And I called the guy. It ends up he works at the same company as me. Yeah. And now he's back on his chemo. He's operated on. He's all done. And his whole thing was... He didn't think about his family. He didn't think about his kids and his grandkids. He was worried about dying. Mm. I didn't worry about dying because I wasn't dying. I was in it to win it. That was my motto from the very start. I'm in it to win it. Mm. If I'm in this, I'm going to win it. I'm not losing. And that's what I did. And I kept that going. But you're right, Taylor. Like People our age are reaching out to help others. The problem is there's a lot of young people your age that are getting sick. Mm. That's the scary part. They're not waiting until they're 62. You know, you're getting, you're getting younger people that are sick there too. And mm-hmm. you don't realize it until you go to that cancer center, which I told you, I didn't even know was there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in there going, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Yeah. And, 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 that, and that, that, that vocal piece, you know, like doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals, surgeons, whatever, they are obviously, they're saving a lot of lives. But they haven't been there and done it. The, 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 the amount of lives that are ultimately going to be saved by people opening up and talking about what they've gone through, that helps another person go, I'm going to take that test that I got in the mail, or I'm yep. going to go and ask my doctor about this thing that I noticed that I've, maybe not consciously, but I've been carrying shame over or wanted to ignore for whatever reason, and having that conversation, seeing that doctor, getting yep. that test, that is going to overwhelmingly boost the number of people whose lives Make are it through. saved because yeah. of I, I can't show you, I could show you the number of texts that people sent me saying I got the test done because of you and I'm all good. I, or, I will now. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like next, I got the like test done. When I eventually get that test in the mail, for Why sure I'm you? taking it now. You know, you know, you know, I know you've, you know, you've said it, you've said it a few times now that there's been a number of people that because of um, you speaking out um, have, have, um, you know, gone on to get a diagnosis and been helped by that. Um, 
And it reminds me of uh, of a of of a of a little issue that we talked about that has that the has Moses. that has helped a lot of guys that I that I think is funny. Male circumcision and adult also, circumcision. And this, yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. Grant, we we talked about something called phimosis mm-hmm. a number of years ago. <laughs> this is just hilarious. Almost nine years ago. Almost nine years <laughs> ago. Yeah. Well. Where basically your foreskin is too tight and you can't pull the head of, you can't pull your foreskin back. Yep. And it's like a major issue. Now, obviously, lots of pe- lots of guys are going, I'm not gonna tell anybody about that. Yeah. I'll keep that. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep that to myself. Yeah. We have we talked about that on the show. Jeremy, you got Jeremy lots had of people it, reaching out. And a bunch of people going, oh, man. I'm 30 years old and I just got circumcised. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I didn't realize that my dick was supposed and to work then, differently. <laughs> and every time I hear that, I'm like, oh uh, man, how great. Yeah. Now they'd be living, they'd be just going, they'd be just going on with their lives, doing whatever, not having sex, having a whole fucking thing to deal with. Yeah. But now because there's somebody talking about it, they went, hey, you know what? Makes them comfortable. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. Well, look at the cross story. Like yeah. without uh Without me talking to Cross, he'll tell you he wasn't going to get it done. That's crazy. So, so um, talking about uh, a coach of mine in midget and and ended up having it was a col- was colon it colon cancer. Um, so you basically I encouraged him to go get the test done, and he went and ended up he had to get an operation, and he got his operation, caught it early enough, and he's good. Man, time and like with cancer. This guy's a time. fitness freak. Like he runs marathons, does everything. He's back doing right. It all. He was um, he was uh, Phil O'Hara. Yeah, that's right. So we had we we had Phil O'Hara on the podcast. Yeah, so it too. would have been the guy he was talking about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, man. yeah. It's crazy, man. Like like because with with cancer, I mean, the timing is timing is the thing. I mean, if you catch, there's not very many cancers that if you catch in its infancy are going to go away go are, are, mm. are going to kill you it's a yeah. but every cancer if it's too late will kill you mm. yeah um so time knock on wood hopefully i got mine early enough and yeah. got it done and everything's removed and they didn't see anything and i've already been back for a one-year checkup and i was fine and now i don't have to go back for two more years so hopefully that but everything's removed so like my surgeon says how can it be? Mm. Like there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Like we took everything out. So right to my tailbone. Mm. Through the front, right to my tailbone, took wow. everything out. Crazy. I'm, I'm curious what you think about, um, I was actually having this conversation with a guy that I played soccer with last night. We were talking about um, his sister had cancer 14 years ago and, and has been in remission since. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the word remission and, and how you know they don't use the word cured. But like, you know, to me, my mom is cured. She hasn't had cancer for five years and, and there's, there's, you can't detect it. Like, how do you think about your cancer in terms of like having it and not having it? And are you cured? Are you in remission? I call myself cancer free. Yeah. I'm not in remission. I'm cancer free. Because again, when you think about it, it was there. They seen it. They treated it. They blasted it with chemo. They cut it all out. How can it still be there? Yeah. You know? I like I I personally, and this is a personal preference, and I understand the reasons and stuff why they don't use the word cured. But to me, my mom is cured yep. of cancer, and like that helps me manage the way that I feel about it. If she gets diagnosed with cancer again in the future, yep. that happens. Think about like, your mom's mental state if it wasn't that way. Yeah, mm. like what would be going through her mm-hmm. mind if yeah. she wasn't cancer free, or mm-hmm. you know, like 
if you're saying remission, well, it's easy. Am I gonna get it again yeah. tomorrow? Yeah, yeah like, you're way. You're just you're yeah, waiting. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, play I, golf, like, I play golf every day, boys. <laughs> I didn't play golf for three years. I'm back playing golf every day, <laughs> and I'm gonna play every day I can because it's you don't know when it's over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was fine, and he knows me. Like I was never sick a day in my life, and I woke up and boom, yeah, all this goes down. Like, and I, did I want it? Not a chance. Mm-hmm. And it just took me over. It was like mm. it ruined my life for three years, yeah. basically two did, and a half, three years. Did did it change the way that you think about death in general? Though, and I mean yep. that I mean that from the perspective of like I know that you you said like when you got diagnosed with cancer, you were like this isn't going to be it. This won't be the thing. That- you got to have faith too. Like and I mm-hmm. and I learned. I talked to a lot of people during this sickness, and I had a, an older guy that came to me and he had a cancer prayer, and he said, "Listen," he said, "You got to read this cancer prayer every day." He said, if you read this cancer prayer every day, good things are going to happen to you. And I said, really? He goes, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'll leave it with you. I stopped at his house last week and went in and shook his hand and said, I'm still here, bud, thanks to your cancer <laughs> prayer. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a simple little prayer, but he had a belief that if you said it every day, that you were going to keep your faith and you weren't going to be afraid. I wasn't afraid to die. Mm. Like if I was going to go, I was going to go. There's, yeah. How are you going to stop it, right? You're not... I just wanted to make sure the people around me were going to be okay yeah. if I wasn't going to be here. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, it, it is, it's an in, you, like, you're right, and it's like, how are you going to stop it? But one of the things that I, I have noticed a lot is whether it's, whether it is, it's intent, it's, 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 we can't quantify it. We can't, say, we can't say that your mindset will give you X amount percentage advantage over your cancer. You know, whenever, and the odds of us ever getting to a place like that is probably slim to none. But if I wake up in the morning and like, you know, I be, like we were joking about it this morning. Zaya's going to daycare. Mm. I'm like low-key sick most of the time now because she's going to daycare. She's coming home. She's giving me whatever she's picking up. And, and if I wake up in the morning and, t- and just go, Man, I don't feel good today. I don't want to do anything. I will convince myself real quick to do nothing mm-hmm. and to yeah. just phone it in. Or, and I'm using this in like a very like low stakes mm-hmm. example. If I tell myself, "Get your ass up," you know, get get some produ- get productive, drink some water. Have to, you're not gonna, you might not feel 100 percent today, but like you're gonna like, go out and do it. You're gonna it's gonna make you feel better to have done it. Like that makes a difference, and that's a mindset thing. Listen to fucking Goggins over here, <clears throat> and that's a mindset thing. And, it, and if you tell yourself, if, if your mindset is in, you know, if you tell your body to start shutting down, yeah, it's going to shut, shut down. down faster. Yeah. You can well, you do anything. Think, yeah, you, you got to think too of of the different age groups, right? So yeah. you you got a lot of young people that yeah. if they were sick, how are they going to deal with it? Uh, I'm an older person. Like I've been married for 37 years. What I just put my wife and my mother and my son through, and my daughter in law, like I I was hiding it from them. Mm. I didn't think they knew how sick I was. Mm. I didn't want them to know. I didn't want to hurt them. You're at the age now. You got a wife and you got kids. Like, what happens if you get sick now versus if you got sick back when you were 22? Mm. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. it's a totally different. Totally, it's a totally different game. It's a game changer. So your mental state. How do you how do you get through that? You don't want to hurt your wife. You don't want to hurt your kids. Don't want to hurt mom and dad. So how do I hide it? Mm. You can't camouflage cancer. Yeah. Trust me, I tried. Yeah. It doesn't work. They and hiding it isn't the answer. They you know, knew exactly that, that ain't what the I was doing. Either. No. You know, it's like no. it, that, that, that's only going to cause But more I was hurt. so sick yeah. that I thought I was hiding that's it. That's right. I didn't yeah. want them to see how sick yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Which when really, it's, yeah. it's quite obvious. 
I mean, before we come up, before we come up to time here, I'd love to talk about like, you know, at the very top of the episode, I was saying how rectal cancer is the one. Like, if I heard I got rectal cancer, I'd be so, I'd be so fucking bummed out. And mm-hmm. I think the reason I'd be bummed out is because when I was sitting on that hospital bed and that nurse came in and was like, "Hey, I'm going to talk to you about ostomies." Yeah. Oh, fuck. I wanted to. I wanted. To, I wanted to deck that woman. Yep. I wanted to be like, "Get the fuck out of here! Don't even. Don't even show me an ostomy. I don't want anything to do with that." Because at that period of my life, the thought of an ostomy was like, "That's well, that there goes my life. Like I'm. Fu- it's over. You yep. know." Um. But talking to you for you know. 20 minutes before the recording even started, it's come to my attention that there's a whole bunch of shit going on in the world of ostomy that, like, mm-hmm. is, that, was, uh, that I was unaware of mm-hmm. that makes this thing uh, far less like, uh, you know, a, stick out like a big sore thumb. Oh, yeah. And that, uh, and that it's, it's actually like quite discreet and quite We, we have manageable. a lady in our ostomy society that's been a nurse, and she's had one for like 60-odd years. And she, at one of our meetings, she brought in all the different bags to oh, show wow. how they changed. The first one looked like a rubber bread bag with a metal clamp that actually clamped to your skin. Holy shit. It was like oh, a bread nice. bag. So if you, if you had anything in it, you just undo the clamp and take it and dump it, wash it out, and put it, clamp it back on. Whoa. Yeah, it was pretty neat. But she showed us all of them. Like, she has wow. them for years. So what does it look like today? You know, you, you mentioned stealth belt and, like, yep. these things. Like, what, what are we... What what does an ostomy look like in you know in the future? Okay, twenty twenty three. So these are these are um, and all the folks can't see this. We're, they can't we're getting, see it, we're but getting I'm going like to show you little... guys. It's a wax ring, much like you'd have on a toilet when you put it on your floor in your bathroom. If you're changing your toilet over, you put a wax ring down on the floor, then you push the toilet down and it seals it, yeah. so it doesn't leak around there. Well, this is the same size, but my ostomy is probably two times, uh, two and a half times the size of that hole. So you have to s- loosen it up, pull it apart, make it fit, and then I stick that on my stomach. You stick that, like, on the hole? Right, no, right over my, so my ostomy comes up through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so it's just a ring right And when you say it. your ostomy, like, are you talking about, like, because, like, I, I, I have a hard time picturing what's actually happening here. I get, I get that there's a hole in your, in your, in your stomach, I have like that, a little asshole that, now out my side. Which and, is, and the is, the, is the it's ass, a stoma? Is the stoma? Um, uh, it's my colon. Is it? They take the colon. They it, like they turn it pull inside it out, out and like like roll it like kind of like a sausage. Okay, right? so they're not, they're not like they're not connecting any kind of like you know nope. plastic or anything like that. Nope. It's literally just, just raw. Like bring you. it out, turn it inside out, and oh. then sew it around the edge. Oh wow! Okay, okay, cool. So when the when the waste comes out, it comes up through <laughs> out and it drops. It goes through this hole. And then this here, you cut it out to the size of your stoma. Yeah. They come filled in. This is the bag. And uh, you would cut that out, and you just push that on. This here peels off. It's all glue underneath it. And it just sticks on over top of this seal. Yeah. And you push down on it, and that's what you wear. And now how, now this bag that you're showing us right now, let's say you connected that this morning. How long would you use that bag? Four to five days, I do. Four to five days. really? That long? Yeah. Wow. Yep, four to five days, and you look after them. So to empty it, you simply fold that down, mm-hmm. and you just take your fingers and slide it down the bag. Your waist comes out the end. You take a piece of toilet paper, wipe it off. You fold it back up like that, and you're done. Just like a uh, like oh, right. a like so a, you can um, actually like a weatherproof bag. Yeah, you could dump this yeah. quicker than you can wipe your ass. I tell people like for right. sure. So you right, and so you, I mean, four to five days. You're emptying it a number of times. Yeah. So like it's, yeah. Oh, I yeah, empty it a couple like, times a day. Like, what, two or three times a day? I empty it a couple times a day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then... Just like I, I empty myself. 
Right. Yeah. So yeah. when I discovered the stealth belt, like times yeah. <laughs> um, I discovered this stealth belt by a friend at the Ostomy Society. They told me I had to get one, and then when I checked it out, I said I do have to get mm-hmm. one. So this is a belt. So you'll see in the backside it has a hole. Yeah. That hole is the size of that. Oh yeah. So this here fits in. This here goes in the bag. It's like Ostomy spanks. Yeah. Exactly. This goes in the bag. So the bag's like this. Yeah. It's right. around your waist. Oh yeah. Right? And it comes around in velcros. And then when you want to dump it, there's a zipper right here. You do this. You reach inside and the bag wow. falls down. And this is specifically made for ostomies. Yep. This little thing. So and that just allows left. it to be like to be more to to keep it more like uh, close to you. I can golf to your body. You can bike, the... you can swim. You oh, can do okay. But whatever. even if he was wearing, even if he took shirt off and like walked around, it'd just be like, oh, it, yeah, like a fanny pack. It, it allows me, a, yeah, Graham's wearing like a belly pack. A yeah, belly it allows pack. me to wear a shirt tucked in. Yeah, right. If not, I'd had to leave my shirt out because you just think this here's hanging down, yeah, right? Versus yeah. you can't see what I have. And on it's now. more just like yeah. Lo- yeah. it's like loose, right? right yeah, right. yeah. Right. So you couldn't wear a belt because if you put a belt across that, it's going to choke it off, right? Right. Yeah. I have a belt on because my bag's up here. It's not even down. Now, because you still have a colon. Mm-hmm. Or at least most of your colon. Yep. Um, are you it, like how formed is the is the contents in the bag? It's solid. It's just solid shit. Oh yep. yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because it just comes out flat. Right. Right. Yeah. It comes out flat because you're pushing it down the chute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's right. like but, um, squeezing like a yogurt tube or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it's Give me like, up, a me mama. like a go like a gogurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gogurt. So, yeah. yeah, on the go. Yeah. And there's so much stuff now. Like you got there's this uh, like a perfumey stuff you can put inside the bag so it doesn't stink. Like if you're going out somewhere and you thought you might have to dump the bag and we like, need that for Taylor. Fuck. People God damn it, dude. again, about? it's me- the mental side of it. Like yeah. people get just thrown all off totally. over having to do it. I don't care. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, you know, there's sometimes if we're going out to a restaurant or something, maybe I'll take the little thing and squirt it inside. And if I did have to dump it, oh, well. If I don't, oh, well. Yeah. But, but I mean, if you're dumping it, it's like you're dumping it the same place that I'm dumping it. Exactly. You know, right. like, and, and but, when I'm dumping it, it fucking stinks, dude. Uh, like, it's not. Yeah. It's not you know, like this. Yeah. This is so bad. It, is, it is like that bad. This eh? is bad. Yeah. yeah. When you and first it lingers, it, like it lingers, it sticks around. I was around. like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it like the first time I picked yeah. up my dog's poop, I was like, oh, I was like, Ugh. I'll tell you what, i tell you what, I bought a new house and I got an electrician to come in and put a double-sized fan in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> just yeah to, right. Just Suck that arrow. Yeah. Suck that arrow. Fast yeah. as we could. <laughs> yeah. I was amazed. Yeah. How, I, how much can you fill that bag without, ha- without like, like how far can you push the limits? I could probably carry it most of the day. Yeah, I'm thinking of that episode yeah. of Just Seinfeld. Just think about this though. When Kramer, when Kramer and the guy buying the car are like, they go oh, yeah. up, they go, they go down to the low tank, and they're, and they're like, let's see how far how we can far, go, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On one tank it. of gas. If yeah. this is filled, yeah. If this is filled and it's pulling all day, yeah. Then right. this here is pulling good. off your body, yeah, yeah all yeah. day. Probably uncomfortable. It. Or, uh, yeah, or I mean, like, it would tug on it up. a bit. Like yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know what's there now. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this thing for over a year. I don't yeah. even know what's there now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, fucking wild. I love it. I love it. It's, it's a not good the Jets. We're not it's not we're not the Jetsons, but it's a we're good in story. the future. Yes. It's a good story. Oh, we absolutely yeah. are. It it really yeah. does it's because story. I like like you, Jerry, like I would be really um scared if I had to get an ostomy or something like something like that. But seeing yeah. like having you come in and walk us through it today and explain everything, 
it really is simple. like takes the fear out of it yep. and makes it oh yeah way like i mean the fear and that's what i had with that guy that came to my house this yeah. is exactly what he did yeah here's the bag here's how it goes on here's how you dump but it. imagine yeah. never having to fucking it's sit convenient on a goddamn toilet it's convenient again. sometimes yeah, yeah. How much I mean, time you would save in the day, Brian? Well, I mean, uh, getting a tushy. I mean, really Christ, helped. this guy spends Dude. probably about three hours a day sitting on a Brian toilet. Would be, Brian, Brian, Brian would Fucking be putting hell. SpaceX out of business <laughs> if he didn't have to sit on the toilet as long. Hey, as you save does. on toilet paper too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. We already save on toilet paper because we. Uh, and this episode bidets. is brought to you by Tushy. Uh, we use bidets. We all use yeah. bidets. Well, Graham, <laughs> I, I got I to say, man, there, there is. I mean, obviously, it's 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 always fun to sit down and and talk to someone. Who is you know like who's like our parents' age, but but uh, but but is a great storyteller, and you know you remind me of my father in, in a lot of ways, and it, I always enjoy these types of conversations. We, when we get somebody on the show who's a little bit outside of our age bracket, which we don't typically do on the show that much, right? Yep. But on top of that, there's something, and and you spoke to it, Tay. Like there's something really fucking cool about seeing people in your generation who who, you know, like, by all accounts, for the last little bit, there's been a, a real fucking problem with people of your generation not having the ability to talk about what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And to see someone like yourself not only be able to openly share and, and unabashedly share, but also do it in a way that's, like, really educational and helpful and informal. I'm and, here. And, like, <laughs> and, and encouraging. Like, for somebody, you know, to know that there's going to be a period in time where you're going to be at you know at a hospital talking to someone who's going to be in the same position that you were in yep. i love that i think I it, can't it's wait. incredible yeah. like it's, I it can't really wait. is it really is rad. i really can't wait yeah because that's going to be my forte yeah I, i'm going to eat that up that's really cool. well dude yeah. i i, I want to say thank you thank you so much oh, for taking thank time you guys for having me on and and sit with us this has been a real treat hopefully we can help some other people absolutely, absolutely. yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.